Hello and welcome to Game of Thrones, the podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time and pulling it to pieces like a dire wolf with a piece of meat. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Uh, and we're back in the swing of things. Season 3, Episode 2, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Um, now, first of all, I have an issue with this title. Right. Before we go any further. What did I miss something, or what are the wings exactly? The ravens. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed something then. I was expecting dragons. No, so it was um, it was mentioned. We, we talked about it last week, um, very close to the end of the episode, and I think we were probably a bit loopy by then. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's in the books. It's not in. The, it's not in the um, in the episode itself. Um, but it's based on. It's it's a, apparently it's a saying in world whereby it refers to the fact that they bring bad news. I fucking completely missed that. It shows how much attention I was paying last week. Yeah, um, I, think, I, did, I think by the know, end of last week, say, we were a bit, uh... yeah, I, we, we were pissed off, and I did say I practically fell asleep in last week's episode, so it's quite possible that I did. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it completely passed me by. Okay, then, I'll forgive him that one. I will eat my hat, or I would if I was wearing one. Um, well, why aren't you wearing one? Because I have hair. Um, but no, I just for an occasion such as this, you should be wearing a hat. Uh, I guess he's not wearing a hat and has very little fucking hair left. I'm not wearing a hat or I'm not wearing a shoe or I'm not wearing a shoes. I'm not wearing shoes. So (laughs) I'm not wearing anything that I can eat. Uh, I guess I could eat my shirt or my shorts. There you go. I could eat my shorts. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Anyway. (laughs) moving swiftly on. Yeah. Um, First note I've got. I, I know I've mentioned this before, right? But these credits are fucking ridiculous now. One minute and 54 seconds these fucking credits go on for. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy because um, the skip button on um, on the, the TV app on, on, on the iPad, it, you can skip in 15-second increments, so I can just hit it, and I know that in eight, I'm at the start of the episode. Right, okay. Um, it, it, yeah, it's they are just, fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but the thing is, they, they vary a little bit from week to week as well, depending on how big the cast is going to be. To be because... fair, they don't vary enough for me to want to give a fuck and sit through them for two minutes. I really don't give a fuck about them at all. Like the first time something new is added, the first time you get a new model, it's cool because you go like, "Ah, oh, look, there's a new model," and then it's just the same ad infinitum plus that theme. You know, as so fucking boring. Yeah, in it. Like it's just, it is just the same repeated strain over and over and over again, isn't it? it, it yeah, no... you you do get a flourish towards the middle. I mean, I've got to be honest. The only time I've ever actually wanted to watch the credits was I'd heard um, anecdotally at the start of the first episode of season eight, um, because at the end of season seven you have the big thing that happens to the big place, uh, which yep. I'm not going to say because of spoilers. That was then replicated in the credits. Yes. So yeah. I I looked out for that. Afterwards, could not give two fucks. Now, maybe in the very last episode, there's some stuff that, should, that I could have seen as well, which I'll find out when we get there, if I remember. Um, but yeah, generally, I don't give two fucks about the credits, and I just skip through them. And you normally come in just on the point where it says who's written or directed it, and I normally go, oh, okay, or oh, fuck these idiots again. Yeah, that's 90% of the time, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, these credits really starting to fucking piss me off now. <laughs> Um, which which is stupid because yeah I have it on disc and I can skip them but I don't same as I don't skip the end credits so I guess that's my own fucking fault in it yeah um, but there you go anyway I just thought it it sort of was worth mentioning they are nearly two minutes long now at this point which is it, yeah fucking ridiculous 
I think they always were. I think they were always uh, about the minute fifty, uh, two minutes mark. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that, there's no need for that. No, I mean, um, that, that's what your end credits are for. Yeah, exactly. So you know, yeah, they're out of the way, um, and we get, I think, a, a good opening scene this week. Um, you know, we, yeah. we get we get stuff with the ravens and what have you, but but more than anything. Um, it's just nice to see all the Stark boys together having well, a having a yeah. bit of a joke and, and like you know just reminding us that actually this is a family, but because they're so separated now. Yeah, in the and, show, so, and when, so much water's gone under the bridge as well. Yeah, and and you know it gets referenced, you know, especially in Rob's storyline, time and time again, or my sister, or my brother, or or whatever, and and with John we get referenced to to Ned and things and. You know, it gets referenced, but because they've spent so little screen time together now in, in the grand scheme of things over the course of these two and a bit seasons now. Yeah, well, that, practically none, to be honest. Yeah, you kind of forget that, you know, there is there is actually an emotional hook and an emotional connection there. And actually, when they're all together, they do bounce off each other. It's, it's yeah. a nice scene and, and there's some warmth to it, which is fucking rare in this show. Yeah, I quite liked it as well. I mean, so you come in and you get, you know, it's the old uh, dial cam again. So you know, you, 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 you know, you're going through the um, through the woods, which is not, no, it's not cold and bleak and snowy anymore. You know, it's nice and lush and it's nice and green. And then you come up and you've got Bran running around with a bow and arrow. And Bran, at some point between the end of season two and the beginning of season three, he's grown like a foot. Yeah, I mean, I've got that note as well. I think maybe he's part dragon or something. Well, um, maybe. I mean, I know people because... use a bitch, but no, he, he seems to have shot up in like the two months they weren't filming. Yeah. Um, he, he looks a he hell of a lot visibly, older. Visibly aged. Um, there's got to be some dragon blood in him because we've now got Teenage Mutant Ninja Bran as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's visibly grown. And I remember first time out, um, this isn't the first time he'll visibly grow either. I remember first time out watching watching this storyline, which has the youngest of the kids. Um, how, you know, we, we talked about these timelines and we talked about it quite some length last week with the dragons. Yeah. Um, and this is just another example of that. I, look, I know it's difficult because obviously when you cast a young child, they are going to age. See also the Harry Potter films. Um, but it's just, especially when the timeline is, is so all over the shop as it mm. is anyway, it's, yeah. it doesn't help when you see things like this. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, later on in the episode, we see Hot Pie as well. I thought Hot Pie had aged about five years. Yeah, um, and I, I I don't know if it's difficult because um, I mean George George is that much older, so he doesn't seem to age as much, and uh, Maisie Williams didn't seem to age that much in the first couple of seasons. It's only probably the last two seasons where she kind of exploded and went oh fucking hell! All of a sudden again, she's no, she's grown a bit, and she's you know, her face sort of changes and her shape changes. Um, but yeah, I, I thought with Hot Pie as well, he he's a bit stockier and he's. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if they've got, he's, he's sort of started to grow a bit. You think, talking about the kids in the Harry Potter film, think of um, Matthew Lewis, who played Neville. He was a dumpy, fat kid, you know, a short, dumpy kid. And he grew up to, by the time we got to the last film, which is seven years in story time, but was, I think, 11 years in film time, possibly, he'd grown up into a, a very well built young man. And it's almost like Hot Pie started to go down that route and go, fuck, we're not having that, eat. And just yeah. started filling in with cake. Yeah, that just, that is. That is the most middle-aged woman description of a of a young man I've ever heard. He's he's quite a well-built young man. You know, I I just feel like you need some knitted needles and pull your glasses down off your nose for that well, one. I can't knit while we're recording because the the clicking will fuck everybody off. 
Uh, I guess so. Yeah, that's but that only, was that's the only reason I've got them. Yeah, that that was you very much sounded like a like a dirty grandma. There, well done. Um, yeah, that's the worst thing. I, actually, that's not the worst thing I've been called today. So fuck it, I don't care. Oh wow, what's the worst thing you've been? No, no, I don't want to know. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air. Yeah, forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, you know this, this scene's quite nice. Um, but then what the fuck is the cat at the end of the scene to rob? Like yeah, it's weird. Yuck. Yuck! 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 It's disgusting. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's. I I, I didn't. I, I I was watching. So I watched it at lunchtime, and it's one of those. Sometimes these things catch me. Sometimes they don't. And it did catch me. I, I I went. I sort of wound it back fifteen seconds and watched it again. And I can't work out what it is that bugs me about it. I can't either. But it's very jarring. It just seems, isn't it just it? seems off. I'm um, not sure if it's because he's in the prior scene as well. Maybe, and um, then when 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 he cuts, um, it's a it's a reverse when he cuts because he's he's always facing screen right yeah. when he's shot in in the opening scene, and then when we first see him, I, and it cuts from um, into a close up from what was a yes. wide shot, uh, and then when we cut in, he's facing screen left, so it could be that. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, yes, it's some something bugged me. I watched it twice and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And I figured I've only got an hour and it's an hour episode, so I need to kind of get on with it. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't couldn't work out what it was. Um, but yeah, it was odd. I mean, the, the other thing to say with the previous scene before we move on, we do get our first look at um, Jojen, who's going to be quite important. Um, and again, talking of kids growing up, that's the kid from Love Actually who was about fucking three. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a bit worrying. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we get we get um, to meet them properly later on in the episode, but yes. yeah, it's teased here and it, it's set up quite well. Um, actually, for when he shows up later on, um, it's all yeah. kind of seeded here, and yeah, it works works well. Um, this episode's off, I think, to a to a pretty good start. And and aside from the cat, you know, the the next scene with Rob and Cat is is also good. I mean, as we as we say many times on this show, when the two of them are together. Um, or whenever Kat's with any of, of the Starks, she's always good. And this is no exception. You know, her performance yeah. on hearing about what's happened to Winterfell um, is is excellent. Yeah, uh, and, and the fact that her father has died. And no, there's 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 a lot in there's a lot of character that comes out in in this scene again. And there's another scene later on with oh fuck, what's her name? Her now daughter-in-law, whose name I can't fucking remember. Um, the the nurse. The nurse. I, I've I've yeah. written in my notes several times the nurse because I can never remember a name either. Yeah, uh, but now, there's, a, there's a lovely scene between the two of those later as well. Excellent scene, yeah. But I, just on that, something that's worth mentioning. You know, we can we gloss over it there and say we can never remember her name. Yeah, um, there'll be a reason for that, and that's a bad thing. Like that. <laughs> That's how sort of disposable a character she is, I guess. Yeah. It? We can't even remember her fucking name. Talisa or Talisa. I've got it in front That's of me. That's it. But it's, yeah. it's, but it's written, so I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. It's, she, has a very, no, she has a very memorable part to play in, in, in Rob Stark's story. Um, but yeah, fuck to fucking remember her name from week to week. Yeah. And that's... to be honest, I mean, so we didn't see her last week. Um, it's been what six weeks since we did our set. It was seven weeks from the time we did the end of season two. I'd forgotten what she looked like, so I didn't even realize who the fuck she who Kat was talking to. To be honest, it took me about a second to realize who she was. Uh, I, I I wasn't that bad. I knew who she was. Um, as I said, I don't actually dislike her character. As I said last season, either I just feel like she just kind of doesn't have anything to offer. Yeah, she's really. just kind of bland. She's just no. She's yeah. she's she's a prop. She's there to advance the story. 
yeah, um, that's exactly what she is. She's she's in service of the story, but you know, nevertheless, but she's there. Once and, and... she's there, she's once she's there, she's good. And I think no, her performances are always good. Um, and say so that the scene with Cat um, in this episode is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, the problem is she's ultimately forgettable, and that's not what you want. No, it really isn't. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about her and that scene when we get to it. So yeah, as I say, this, this scene I think is great with with Cat and Robin. You know this. There's some stuff here as well where she's asking if she's going to be in chains, yeah. um, you know, which and, and it's all it, it's good stuff. Uh, it's good scene. Um, but more importantly, moving on to the next scene. Here he is. Everybody's favorite cunt um, is Theon fucking Greyjoy. But more importantly, it's Theon fucking Greyjoy being tortured. Fuck you, Theon. Suffer, you little prick. Well, that's um, it. I mean. It's 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 no it, it follows on because in the in the previous um, scene we get cat you know um, the I think it's uh, Roos comes in with two ravens you no know, well, well, uh, and he asks which one's the good news and which one's the bad no they're both bad um, and we hear that Winterfell has been raised to the ground you know, they burned out they burned out the castle the Iron Islanders are all fucked off there's no sign of Theon or Bran or Rickon and everybody you know, they're, they're kind of fearing the worst um, and we don't know because obviously we know that. Bran and Rickon escaped with Osher and Hodor uh, a couple of episodes ago. Um, and the last time we saw Theon, somebody twatted him over the head with a big stick and yeah. left him at Winterfell. So we have no idea what happened. We have no idea, at this point, we have no idea where he is. We don't know if these are the Iron Islanders, if these are Ramsay Bolton's people who've gone, who who were sent back to Winterfell to, to retake it. I was going to say, isn't there a throwaway line about Ramsay going back to Winterfell? Yeah, this sure is yeah, this at the time he got there, they'd raised the castle to the ground, and there was yeah. no sign of anybody. So, I mean, that's that's the that's the throwaway line. So, um, we we've not seen Ramsay at this point, have we? Um, we've only seen Roos. So, the the fact you get this throwaway line, but we don't know who the hell these people are who are, are now holding Theon, and he's all trussed trust up like an S and M dungeon. And part of you thinking he's actually going to enjoy it because he's that much of a cunt. Um, and then you get you now he's. Again, he's clearly scared. You get a guy, you get a sort of soft focus, and it's sort of, you know the, the, it blurs in because because you know, his eyes are closed and rushing, you know, the, the 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 vision of the guy blurs in. What do you want? I want to do this, and he sticks a fucking nail in his thumb. And I thought, yeah. you know what? Fuck you, you ginger cut. I'm oh, a bit yeah. of that. Absolutely. You know, here's the thing. Um, I'm I'm very glad that Theon is being tortured. I'll quite happily watch it. But and I do mention it later on as well. Even with it being Theon, this is literally Gross. torture porn. Like this is. is this is hard to fucking watch. It is, and uh, it's worse later with the corkscrew. But we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, oh yeah, it really is. And that like, made me squirm a little bit. I've got to be I, honest. And look, you know, if that was the intention, then good job, high marks. Personally, I feel like it's unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary. We could have just suggested that. Surely, uh, we we we, no, we we could suggest it and had it. No, had it had the camera move away or had no. There are a million yes. techniques they could have used to not show it. And but then, off screen. But then again, we wouldn't go see on suffer. Yeah, and also this is Game of Thrones. Yeah, like, subtlety is not a thing in, uh, no. in in this world. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like watching Hostel. No, it's it's yeah. it's it's gross for the sake of being gross. Yeah, and it absolutely. gets worse later on with the, the fucking corkscrew. That was that just ugh, that it's really not, did upset me. Not pleasant. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a short scene, but yeah, great. Theon can fucking suffer. Uh, and then we're into, I I think, what is probably the best stuff in this episode. Um, Jamie and Brienne, and Jamie especially, uh, is fucking yeah. great in this episode. Um, have, we we, have we missed the throwaway scene with Manson John, or is that later? 
I think that's a bit later, isn't it? Sorry, I thought it was very early on, but yeah, it might be later. I can't can't remember. Uh, I don't make notes on this one. Maybe it is. I remember, I I don't think I actually did make notes on it because it is such a short scene. It's a throwaway. Yeah, it it is literally just to remind you where John is. Yeah, and the fact that he is probably in mortal peril. uh, Yeah. Uh, (coughs) So. Maybe I did miss it. I, I don't know. The, the yeah, next I, th- not I think it's very early. But again, we, you know, he gets like three lines. You gets a line. Mans gets two lines, and that's it. Yeah, and and then the next the next notes I've got is is about Jamie and Brienne. Um, Jamie and Brienne. Uh, Jamie is just on top form in this episode, yes. just knowing exactly what buttons to push. And oh, when. he's he's, he's prime dickhead. He, you know, he's, he's so good at it, though, isn't he? Yes. He's oh, he is. He's such a charming dickhead, is the thing. Oh, this is this is the thing. He's he's every bit the the villain, and you no, know, he's revered and you no, know, and feared and all the rest. He is everything that people like Theon want to be, but he can pull it off. Whereas they just fuck it up or and, come and, across yeah. as cunts. And he's also um, shown, you know, towards the end of the episode to be, and and you don't see him fight that often in the show, but no. he is every bit. The, the swordsman that, that his legend speaks of, you know, he well, should be feared. He, yeah, he, and the fact that his, his hands are bound and he still yeah. manages to, uh, you know, he, he can still hold his own in a fight right up until the point where she Darth Vader's him and he, she's just single-handed, you know, just overpowering him, knocks him down, and then we don't get a chance to see her subdue him because other people come in, but we'll get that later on. But, I mean, the, everything with them probably... Actually, everything with them from the first time we see them on screen together, right the way through to their last scene, there are very few things you can follow. I mean, there's, there's a, there are a couple of choices towards the end, it's not towards the season eight, which I disagree with. But when we can come to that, when we come to it. But anytime they're together, the the performances are always spot on, and it's a, you just you just you just believe that Jamie is as fucking arrogant as as he's portrayed to be, and he he just everything he says has an angle. It's designed to penetrate armor it's designed to hurt it's designed to to sting to a point where it provokes a reaction be it a good reaction a bad reaction it's a reaction um and yeah he's just brilliant at it and he's, yeah. he's probably the best in the show at it to be honest with the possible exception of Tyrion. Uh, i would agree and you know it gets softened as the show goes on because his character changes yes um but it but it's kind of always there with him like i've said all along he's always kind of true north he has his objective and he will do whatever it takes to get to his objective yeah. and sometimes he may be an ally and sometimes he may be an enemy it's just all about what his objective is and here his objective is to charm Brienne to such an extent that she lowers her guard um and it starts immediately without him even really saying much when he's having a piss yeah um and and just makes a point and and it's it's very very throwaway but he makes a point to wave his cock around just enough yeah. That she sneaks a peek. Yes. And it's a very, very quick glance, and it's right at the end of the scene, but she does sneak a peek, and it's hilarious. Um, so she sneaks a peek, and then he starts immediately. Once he knows that he's got her, he starts pushing buttons, and we probably get, as distasteful as it is, we probably get one of my favorite lines of the episode where they, uh, they're discussing how he comes to, to end up being with Brienne, um, and they're talking about Renly. And he sort of says, it's such a shame the throne isn't made out of cocks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, such the, the throne's not made of cocks, they'd have never got him off it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Genius. It's, it's, Absolutely. It's painful, but it's fucking hilarious. I've got yeah. to, you know, I've got to give him credit for that. Um, 
So yeah, and you know her performance in reaction to it as well is is great. You know she she tries her best not to not to rise to it, and then when they see the the merchant or the trader or, or whatever he is, yeah. And again, Jamie just ratchets it up straight away, starts pushing the buttons even more, where he's saying like, "Look, he knows who I am. Yeah. You need to kill him, or we're in trouble." Yeah. Like you have to do it, and and we sort of we get this performance from her, which the camera just locks off on her eyes, and we we've mentioned before in this show how good the cast are at at saying a lot without without saying anything, and this is one of those examples. Her performance here is magnificent when it just locks on her eyes, and she's just fighting back tears almost yeah. because she knows he's fucking right. Yes, she knows he is, but. A, she doesn't want to kill this merchant because it's not an honourable thing to do. And B, she doesn't want to give him the rise. So she really has to push it down, even though she knows it's going to cost her and she knows it's wrong. Um, I mean, this this is probably the first, well, it is the first of certainly two missteps that she makes in this episode. And there will be a couple more throughout throughout this season. But this is the first one. She she knows, let's say, she knows she has to kill this guy, but chooses not to because it's the honourable thing to do, and also because it would mean that Jamie's right, and she doesn't want to admit that because she does. She no, she she recognises he has a point, and she she knows that she can't show weakness. If she starts showing that actually he knows what she's thinking, and that they they kind of having the same thoughts, she's already lost. Yeah. So she doesn't. So she sort of she betrays herself in that respect. Um, and then we get it later on again. He, he's constantly goading about, do we try and swim across the river or do we cross the bridge? If we cross the bridge, somebody's going to see us, we're going to get captured. If we try and swim across, we might drown. Which is it going to be? And he's always pushing buttons with it. And that's that's when we get the misstep later on, um, where, you know, where again, he ends up uh, freeing himself and they end up fighting. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's out of character for her, and it's just... Very infrequent. It's, it's so infrequent you see her getting rattled like this, and he's the only person who ever manages it. I think. Yeah, definitely, and I, and I think that's why it's so affecting as well. Like we so rarely see any kind of real outward emotion from Brienne. She she practically is. I mean, she's a knight. She practically is a fucking robot. Yeah. Um, she she lives and dies by her word and her sword, and she's not interested in anything else. You know, she she has a charge and, and a mission, and she's loyal. But there's real emotion on her face here. She is she is troubled, and like you say, I, I think Jamie's one of the very few people that's able to get under her skin like that. Yeah, I don't um, like uh, from memory. I don't. Think, um, I may be proved wrong as we go along, but I don't think anybody else does. No. No, and I think that's that's credit to both their characters and both performances. You know, yeah. I, I think it's as much about Brienne as it is about Jamie. Um, and it, they they really are just magnificent together. They, they're always entertaining to watch. Um, and uh, this episode just really goes to town on them. I, I hadn't realised, you know, I remember a great deal of everything that happens with the two of them in this episode. And I remember it very, very fondly. I hadn't realized it was this episode that all of this happened in yeah. until I started watching it. And then yeah, I, I thought it was a bit later. Yes, so did I. Um, but I, I remember a great deal of this episode um, for very positive reasons that, that we're talking about now. You know, and, and I, to be fair, I've already at this point decided that this is a better episode than, than last week's, just from the opening couple of scenes. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's a reason for that. And that's because... Dickhead and well, Dickface and Ballbag didn't write it. 
Yeah, it I was, mean that, um, that helped. Um, yeah, it was, it was it, Vanessa Taylor um, who did a couple of the better ones last season. Yeah, you know, and, and there are you know there are numerous reasons then why in in her hands this is a better episode, and and I'm sure we'll come to those when when we sum up and as we go through. But I'd already decided I liked the episode, and then as soon as I knew that this was the episode where we get all the Jamie and Brienne stuff and, and yeah. particularly where we get the fight with them, which we'll, you know, get to when we get to it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm really going to enjoy this now. And I, I enjoyed this a hell of a lot more than, than last week. But as yeah. I say, we'll, we'll come to that as we sum up. So, I mean, uh, moving on, cause there's a lot of great stuff to, to get to with them later on as well. We get, um, I, I, a relatively short scene, but still a very important and, and a very good one, I think, between Joffrey and Cersei. Um, and yeah. Cersei's, uh, you know, great, as she always is. Um, but, you know, Joffrey's really starting to come into his own as, as yeah. the, you know, a real rival for, for Theon in the in the cuntiest cunt stakes. Um, yeah. But he's, he's so fucking brave here as well. Like, this is the bravest. I don't know whether, whether he's brave or stupid. But if it's bravery, this is the, the the bravest I think we've ever seen him. Where like the, I know he's drunk with power, but the extent to which he answers her back, it goes. I mean, it, it starts off with just petulant teenager. Where, but let's be know. fair, it, it's it's no more than any other fourteen year old boy. No, and and this is the thing. This this is the thing. He very much is petulant teenager, but he's a petulant teenage king. You know, it, yes. when he said when she's trying to talk to him, and and again, just try, maybe trying to make him squirm a little bit at the same time as trying to find out what he's feeling. Where where she's talking about um, Marjorie, and he he just sort of brushes it off, it, just like a, a moody teenager was. Where, where where he says, you know, this is becoming one of the most boring conversations I've ever had. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's typical moody teenager, but that Cersei, Christ, he's brave. Um, there's, but, there's only one other character I could think of would talk to her like that, and he's a damn sight smarter than Joffrey is. But I think so, the thing is that Tyrion will talk to her like that because he you know, he knows of, you know, yes, she's dangerous, but he can outthink it. Joffrey will talk to her like that because Joffrey's never seen a side, no, he's never seen that no. malicious, ruthless side of her that everybody else knows. Because she's his mother, and all all he will have seen is the soft woman who brought no, who brought him up while his father was off whoring around. Um, he, so he doesn't he wouldn't know any better. He wouldn't know to fear her. Whereas, as you say, he's now drunk on power and thinking he's untouchable. So actually, this stupid woman who just happens to be in the same room as him, what the fuck are we going to listen to her for? Yeah, and and she gives him a very measured look after he delivers it as well. Like she, she's on the edge with him here. Uh, oh yeah, she um, mind your fucking tongue, boy. She, um, it, again, if if he weren't a king, like if that if if that had been my mother at, at that when I was that age, I'd have had a fucking idea for that. Good God, yeah, I would never have spoken to my mother like that at no. that age. I'm, even, I'm, near, I'm nearly even, forty, and I still wouldn't. Yeah, even being a petulant teenager, she'd have fucking kicked me up and down the street. Yeah, exactly. um, no chance. Um, and then you know, then he doubles down on it as well, where, where she starts talking more about um, about Marjorie and how how intelligent she is and how clever she is, and his response. And oh god, this this episode was going so well, and yeah. I, I guess you're allowed to get away with it in character because it kind of he's probably the only person that could get away with it at this point. But the response of intelligent women do what they're told, yeah. Uh, ouch. Um, I yeah. I guess the woman wrote it, I know. Well, did she? <laughs> no, that that's got fucking. Uh... 
That's, that's got the Wonder Twins written all over it. Yeah, that? it really has, or possibly even it might be from the source. I don't know, but it, it feels very Game of Thrones. <laughs> it feels yeah. very much their attitude towards women. Um, but uh, look, I guess I guess Joffrey can get away with it um, because he's, like I said, rivaling Theon at this point, almost in cuntiest yeah. cunt stakes. Yeah. Uh, he's he's not there. I don't think he ever actually gets there. But I, th- it, I think he. I think put, it's a different type. It's a different kind of cunt, isn't it? Is the thing. He's, well, yeah, he's a I mean, less aggressive cunt. He's just he, a nasty cunt. Well, that's it. And I think the, Theon is partly a victim of his circumstances in as much as he is that way because he's he doesn't know any different. And he's always had... No, he has this chip on his shoulder because he was, ta- no, he was taken by the Starks. His father didn't fight for him. And then when he, when he got back to his father, his father fucked him off again. And his sister mugged him off. And, you know... In his mind, he's a victim, so that's why he lashes out and he acts the way he does. Um, and we kind of get that later on when he's been tortured again. Um, uh, and again, and I'll I'll come to that when we get there. But um, Joffrey doesn't have that. Joffrey is just a spoiled, entitled brat who has seen his father fuck his way around King's Landing and disrespect his mother and disrespect pretty much everybody and do what the fuck he liked, but without you no, know, without the Joffrey sadistic streak. So he's just kind of you know, taking it as a learned behavior. This is how you treat people. This is how you talk to people, especially people who are inferior to you. And you're a king, so everybody's inferior to you. And that's just kind of how he is. So he's there, there's not a conscious choice there with him. Whereas with Theon, Theon tries, he goes out of his way to be a cunt because he thinks it'll make people stand up and take notice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's a, yeah, a different kind of cunt, as we say. Um so yeah, I, I mean he can get away with it, I guess. Um, I, a lot of that is remedied quite quickly in the next scene as well, though, where we get Shay and, and Sansa, yeah, um, talking to each other. And a great scene between these uh, these two. As I've said it before as well, they really are good together. Um, yeah. And and Shay's resolve, you know, when when she says to Sansa, you know, she's warning her about Littlefinger, and Sansa's almost not taking it seriously to an extent. Yeah, um, I mean, we said this last week. Sansa's kind of regressed a bit to where she was the yeah. end of season one, being season two. She's she's gone back to being naive, and she's no, she's she's not as world weary and as no, not battle hardened, but no, that sort of effect, which she should be. And the way she, no, the way she's been treated no, by um, by Joffrey and by Cersei. Um, and not the fact that you know, they execute their father and all this sort of stuff, she should at this point be be going right. Okay, I no, I don't trust any fucker, especially not anybody who comes at me pretending to be my friend, or anybody who's cl- who's claiming to be acting in my best interest. Because chances are they're not. But instead, she's just reverted back to the simpering little girl we had in season one, who's just looking to get married off to a lord and I don't know have babies and all the rest of it. She's not thinking of fighting she's not thinking of self-preservation at the moment and that i mean and when shay sort of pulls her up on that she says oh well, no no he's only being nice to me because he because he used to love my mother well that's sin. no he's not your father so the fact he loved your mother will give him an ulterior motive for something but you're not thinking that way and i say shay is warning her but it's almost you no know, shay, shay's a commoner okay no, no, people don't know she's a whore but she's no shay, shay's common she's not a highborn she's not a lady so what the fuck does she know and no, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll humor her. I'll let her talk, but actually, I'm not going to listen to what she says. Um, and yeah, it's disappointing because, and I mean, Sophie Turner um, does a very good job, and over the years, her character will evolve very well. But I don't know. I just think there's such a big regression. We've kind of we've kind of lost an entire season with her, where she actually started doing the character work, and then they've kind of gone, oh no, we did that too early. 
we're not ready for that yet yeah definitely and and we'll see that more in the next couple of scenes as well um but you know the the crux of the scene though i think is quite good you know shay's insistence that even though she's not listening like shay's insistence of you know look if if he if he does anything to you if he tries anything you tell me yeah and, and the absolute conviction of it of yeah, you know i'll if, fuck if shit he, up yeah if he steps out of line you tell me and i will fuck him up um yeah this i i like the two of them together a, a lot um so but yeah moving on this this regression of sansa kind of continues um when when we get is it is it here that we get the scene with elena yeah it is isn't yeah it? so yeah so um, i and fist goes together and then um yeah that's she, right and they, he takes her outside um and introduces her to um diana rig who no no. she's just the fucking best isn't I she mean, like, there, she's whatever, just the, the absolute best with the exception of the one bond film she was in where they where he married her i've never seen diana rig, rig put a foot wrong in anything no but, um, but especially here like she's yeah olena's just the fucking best she's she's awesome <laughs> <laughs> she is just this this battle hardened she, she, yeah she's this old matriarch figure. who you wouldn't yeah. fuck with absolutely um, and that and, like, you get no she she's she's the way she like she is with with the way she is with the staff you know I, oh, do we have to die of starvation or are you going to bring the food out um i want the cheese oh the cheese is served after the cake no the cheese is served when i want it dick face fuck off and get it for me now I and think, she yeah she, she just doesn't care she's like no we're doing it my way because fuck you i'm old and I, I, i've earned it I think we all know an Olena Tyrell, don't we? <laughs> we all we all know one, and she nails that matriarch just yes. so well, absolutely perfectly. Uh, I mean, I, I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly know where I draw from with her, and yeah, she, she nails that role. It, she's fantastic, and, and you have you've hit the nail on the head. It's just that look, I am this old now. I've seen some shit in my life. I am in the twilight of my years. I'm this close to death. I do not give a flying fuck what you think of me. I don't care if you were to slit my throat on the spot. This is what I think, and you are gonna fucking listen. Yeah, and you, you will are... hear the words I say. Yeah, and you will bring me my cheese now. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm God help you if you fucking don't. She's just the fucking best. Uh, <laughs> like she, she's already, she's only been in one scene, and she's already rivaling Tyrion as MVP for me. You know, she's, she's just because again, there's a lot of heavy lifting here. There's, there's some character work that needs to be established. You know, this worry about how Marjorie and and Joffrey are gonna are gonna fare, and and we need to try and get under Sansa's skin a bit as well. And again, it could be quite clumsy. Yeah, but she just manages, and and she managed to do it in the most direct manner possible because that's the character, and that's how she plays it. She just chucks it all out on the table. Like, look, yeah. let's have a conversation, girl. Tell us, like, is he a bastard? Just just give yeah. it to us, you know. Um, and it's it's kind of a pointless scene, but it it tells you so much about their family specifically and who these characters are and who they're going to be that. It, it kind of even though it it seems pointless like you get good character information from it unfortunately it does frame sansa again though as just this this innocent little girl who has was, no idea what's going say, on i was going to say i mean that was my thing with it is that she starts off and we've, we've so we saw in the last se- uh, the last season whereby she did start to show a little bit of savvy she did start off no, she she was saying the right thing, especially when she was asked about Joffrey. You know, she wouldn't speak against him because you know, her father's a traitor, her brother's a traitor. 
and you know she's got to be she's got to tread so carefully so she we saw that where she knew that and she you know she knew what she was doing and she starts off like that and then within like 30 seconds they've broken her and she's this naive little girl again who is trusting people that she has no reason to trust none whatsoever other than the fact she's got some new gal pals well um, yeah there is that even if one of us like 90 i think and I don't know, maybe I draw from personal experience on this, and I guess it depends who your Olena is. I, I really do think we all know one. But oh, definitely. I think I think she is just an inherently, for a lot of people anyway, if you're a genuinely good and well-meaning person, I think she is a character that you would just inherently trust and feel safe with because she's so matriarchal and because she's so, you know, in a world where everybody's, scheming and everybody's got an end game like whilst she's no different we all know that she wants marjorie on the throne Hmm. she doesn't hide that at all ever (laughs) she just and and look she she plays an absolutely wonderful fucking game as as we find out but she's never anything other than open and honest i don't think I, i think if anybody had asked her at any point, and you know, I'm cautious of spoilers. If anybody yeah. had come out and flat out asked her the question, yeah, she'd have answered it honestly. Of course, she would have. <laughs> well, as she does, you know, yeah, like, in a roundabout way. Like, I think she is. She's able to bring that out of people, and especially if if Sansa's in this vulnerable place and and ultimately needs a mother. Um, yes. You know, which is where that relationship with Cersei started to come in in season one and, and then soured. Like, that was all a very maternal relationship as well. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden, here's this this grandmother figure that that she can almost be taken under her wing and, and accepted, if you like, into into this family with with Marjorie as a kind of big sister and her as a grandmother. Um, I I can see it. I just think it's. It's maybe a little bridge too far. She didn't have to regress quite so much. Yeah, I think I think you think you're right. And it's, I mean, I, I can't remember enough of her arc in this season. I, I remember of I remember as a whole, but I can't remember where certain things happened. But yeah, it's it's just that they they they're breaking her now so that when the biggest fuckery happens and you you, you feel the most sympathy for her, it's almost as though they have broken a child. Where she was starting to grow up, she was starting to get a bit more uh, worldly wise and a bit more understanding. Then all of a sudden, they kind of needed her to be less so, and so they've gone, "Ah, oh, well, yeah, we'll just kind of knock her back a few pegs." And if we don't reference it, nobody's going to notice. We'll just uh, kind of, yeah. they'll just kind of assume that she's the same as she was at the end of season one, and we'll just ignore all the personal growth we had in season two. That's pretty much the Game of Thrones way. Um... <laughs> But there yeah, you go. If, if, yeah, if, 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 if we don't tell people, they won't notice. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's about all there is to say about the scene, really, I think, is that, you know, it, it, it regresses Sansa, which is unfortunate, but it introduces Olena, who is just just a fucking best. She really yeah. is. Um, we move on. Uh, some direwolves. There's a lot of fucking direwolves in this episode. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, we, we see a lot of direwolves here. Um and this is where we get the scene with with Kat, and I've written here the nurse. Yes. Um, I've forgotten her name again already. Salisa. There you go, Kat and her. Um, it's good, as we said. It, it is good. It's it's just the right side of awkward. I think the performance from both yeah. of them. It's it's just the right side of well, we don't really know each other, but we're kind of related now. 
but I've done some shit. So we probably don't like each other that much. But for my son's sake and your husband's sake, we kind of better find some common ground here. And it, it, they are very much dancing around each other and feeling each other out. Yeah. Um, and I think they convey that expertly. Both of yeah. them. I, the scene plays very, very well. Um, especially the kind of, you know, cat's instant snapping at her and then and then stepping that back straight away. Yeah. You know, you, you can't help me because there's I, I'm not being horrible. There's a yeah. reason that you can't yeah. help me. I, only I can do this because only I am a mother. You're not a mother, so you can't do this task because yes. it's a mother's task. And it's yeah, it's it's it starts it, it starts off where it's it's very, it's very aggressive, it's very sharp, and then she's actually, you know what? I can't be fucking bothered with this. I can't be bothered to fight. You're gonna be in my life for a while, so we might as well. I, I need. I need to go. I need to go back to being Cat Stark, not being the person I've been driven to lately. And she does. And she does step it back, and you get the story about um, John as a baby and all the rest of it, which is um, which is excellent, beautiful, real, really beautiful. well written, and real good character insight for yeah. both of them, for Cat and for John, yeah. because you get to understand a great deal of why. John's kind of the way he is and so keen to prove himself. And, you know, it's, it's been danced around before, but yeah. why he's so keen to, you know, he can't just go and be anybody in the Night's Watch. He's got to be a ranger. He's got to be important because he never had his mother's love and needs to earn it. Yeah. And she so has to right. begrudgingly accept that she is his mother. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, it was, I mean, we talked about it in, in season one. There's, there's a, I think it's the second or third episode. It's the second episode where, um, Ned goes south and he goes north, uh, and there's a look as he's leaving, where it's almost like he he sort of half smiles at us, saying, "No, he's almost saying goodbye." No, I know I know I'm not going to see you again, and um, I know you don't particularly like me, but I'm still going to. You're still the nearest thing I've ever had to a mother, and she kind of looks through him, and it's always sort of, no. I mean, again, it's it's always sort of it's it's easy to assume it's because he's a bastard and he's no, he's Ned's child with another woman, and he's a constant reminder that he was that Ned was unfaithful. So she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to like him. She doesn't want to let herself like him, and then this just kind of this reinforces that. But it makes her a bit less of a cow, to yes. be honest. Now, because at the end of the day, you know, it's not. And I think she says it in the episode. No, she hated him because of who his mother was, which isn't his fault. He never knew her. No, and, but um, she but she can't help feeling the way she yeah. feels, and so she hates herself for it yes. as well. And then and we I think get that comes across really well. I mean, it, it so it's, it's probably the first time we get any any real sort of self loathing of anybody in the show. I mean, you you get people who who hate it or hate other people, and we get people who are slightly dubious of their of their own talents or their own belonging. But it's the first time you see anybody out and out say, "Look, I did this, and I'm ashamed of myself." Because yeah. no, I mean, this isn't a thing where I did something bad and I'm feeling guilty about it. This is. This is. I'm ashamed because I didn't do something bad. I am something bad. I couldn't bring myself to love and nurture a child who was entirely innocent because of the way it made me feel. Yeah, and and I think this show would be greatly elevated, greatly elevated if they allowed more characters to question their morality in this yeah. way. Because most, of, you know, so much is said about the politics in this show and and the way everybody has their own plot and scheme and the way the politics play. And yes, of course, that's a big part of the show. But how much more interesting would it be if they could all just sit down every once in a while? And some of them, right, some of them are cunts. Yeah. Some of them aren't going to care. 
Yeah, some of them are incapable of that sort of introspection. Yeah, but not all of them. Excuse me. Um, Not all of them. And if they could all question themselves in this way, and, you know, some of them do. Tyrion does on on the reg, you know, but not to this extent. But you do get soul searching with Tyrion. You get it with Jaime as part of his arc, you know, but again, it's not so well handled. But most of the time, our souls are our souls and that's it. But but here she is. And here's somebody who we've already seen many facets of, you know, she's. She's Rob's prisoner at this point because she's basically betrayed him. Yeah. Um, but she's done everything she can to protect her family. She's lost her husband. You know, we've seen all of these wonderful facets of her character, but here she is stripped bare. Um, and the writing as well is 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 excellent. You know, we, and I, I get the feeling it's probably from prose. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, you, you get lines like um, the, the one I've written down, which particularly stuck out to me, a beautiful line. Um, all this horror that's come to my family. It's all because I couldn't love a motherless child. Yeah, I, it's it's probably the most Catholic line in in the history of TV. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but the, but there it is, you know. And it's it doesn't. She manages to play it off in such a way that it isn't heavy handed, and it could be, you know, you could trip over that line. Yeah, but she doesn't. She delivers it with with just the right, as you said, just the right level of self loathing. And it really helps you understand who she is and why she's doing what she does. Um, yeah, it's a great, great scene, great scene. And and you you kind of don't see the scene going there from where it starts. As I say, no, it's, it's good not. when it starts. It's good when it starts, and it's awkward. But then to use that kind of awkward bonding to strip Cat Bear, who until this point, as I say, you've seen that you've seen all sorts of facets of a character, but she's pretty much always been strong you you but see always you been... see her face break now and again when she's on her own yeah. or when she's just with rob because she's grown comfortable with him because yeah. he's a leader now and not just her son as as in earlier in this episode where you see it just just start to break when she finds out about winterfell but she still doesn't break down i, I was gonna and... say you you see you've seen lots of facets but you've seen lots of facades and lots of masks lots of masks you you very rarely see the real cat, the true cat. So you do get the odd snippet here and there, but she's always, again, in this sort of true matriarchal style, she's always keeping her shit together for everybody else. She's always very strong, very staunch, very stoic, and occasionally it'll slip a little bit, but she will always recover herself. And then, for whatever reason, it's you know, whatever she decides here. There's this absolute fucking brutal, no pun intended, stark honesty. Yeah, where she's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna let. I've I've had enough. I can't. I can't do it anymore. It just needs to bubble over, no, bubble over the surface and fucking come out." And she just lets it. No, she just lets fucking rip. And it's, you know, whereas you know, it, it would be very tempting just to see, you know, again at her father's funeral, let her break down, let her, let's have tears, let's have you know, an uncontrollable weeping, you know, a hysterical woman, blah, blah. But to have this, you know, this just outpouring of pure character for me, it was very unexpected. I've got yeah, to be honest, it's absolutely. not something I'm accustomed to with the show. No, um, it's very well handled. And and to tie it onto the back of an act as well, so that it doesn't seem so... And, and as is the temptation in this show, to just have her blurted out straight to camera, they don't. They give her the, the Dreamcatcher-style thing that she's making to to ground that, to ground yes. it in an act. She's, she's bringing this up now because this is jogging her memory and because she's talking to her now daughter-in-law who who needs to understand the dynamic of the family yeah and and so it works using that device 
brings us in and using the nurse as our cipher into that with Kat, you know, because we don't know what this fucking thing is that she's making either. No. So we're just as interested. Um, and it, yeah, it just works. It works beautifully well. It's it's a top notch scene. Um, yeah. One of the best in the show to date, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking excellent. A A plus performance and, you know, exceptionally good writing as well. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, but but moving on from that, this is where we get the scene with John and Mance, because I have some notes oh, okay. on it. Um, because we do get, even though it's a, a somewhat of a throwaway scene, those politics come into play here, and you actually yeah. credit to, to Kit Harrington, you see it play across John's face as well, where he's yeah. talking to Mance, and he's talking about how, you know, Mance is saying, how do you think you get all of these different people? You get giants, and you get humans, and you get everybody else. How do you get them all to walk together? And he says, I, I, they do it because I told them if we don't do it, we're going to die. Yeah. If we don't get south, we're going to die. And it's the look of realization on John's face of, shit, they're just like me. They're just trying to survive. Yeah. They're not evil. They're not wrong. They just want, we're keeping them out. We're killing them, well, essentially. This and I mean, this was, I mean, we, we talked about this um, last week and I think the end of the last season as well with John is that he's question, he's now starting to question because all no, all of his life he's had, Oh, you're you're a bastard, and whatever you do, they don't. You you can never have any honor because you're a bastard, regardless of the fact that you could be the most honorable fucking bloke in the world. And you go to you go to the nice watch, and he swears no to his brothers. And okay, he nearly breaks it when Ned is killed. Fair enough, I understand that. He goes a little bit wayward, but he can't. He does the honorable thing. He goes back to his brothers. He's you no. Know, he he goes north with his brothers in the season one, and then all this time it's this is for you know, for for the good of everybody. We you know we we protect the world of men from what's north of the wall. And that's the end of it. And so he he accepts that. And then over the last probably the second half of the last season, and into this one, especially the time he spends in camp with Mance and with Agret, he comes to start realizing that there are shades of grey, and he starts to question his entire worldview. And that will become important with him later on as well, whereby his blind acceptance gets him to a point where he has to actually, I've got this so fucking badly wrong. That I'm now on the wrong side of it, yeah. and this is the first time we get that with him, where actually he's going, yeah, that, something doesn't add up, something doesn't make sense, and I need to, I need to make sense of it for myself. I need to understand why people are saying what they're saying and why they're doing what they're doing. And by joining up with the free folk and all the rest of it, he's like he's seeing a world that is completely alien to him, but at the same time, it's absolutely in sync with his own. Yes, and it's it's such. It's such an eye opener for him, and I think Harrington does a very good job, and we'll see that over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those you kind of go. Any again, a lot of other people could have had this part, this part of their as, as their story rather than it being John, and it wouldn't have worked in any way the same way. And I think that that's it's something that's achieved very well. But and I think the kid Harrington is a big part of that because some of the dialogue he gets given over the next couple of weeks is pretty fucking awful, to be honest. Um, but what we get, we'll get really solid performances and we'll get a, an understanding of the character which really comes across, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a throwaway scene, seemingly, but I, I think that is important to the, the politics of the show, yeah. uh, as, as we were talking about. So we get that. We also get our first explanation of Wargin, yeah. um, our first real explanation, which, which is handy because we're about to get it just full-on 
thrown in our face in the next couple of scenes but they just give it enough distance that they seed it here and then don't just jump straight in with the with the through line yeah. um, was, was the, the the war was that Mackenzie crook i wondered that because it looks like him doesn't it looks like him i just I yes it is i've got the wiki page up in front of me I, I was looking at him thinking i'm sure that is but i'm not quite sure yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I, I had yeah, the same like thought. So, okay, well, there you go. So, I mean, you know, it, it seemingly isn't that important other than we've already seen it happen a few times and not really, even though we've known what it is, we haven't necessarily known the name for it. Yeah. So we've kind of paid attention um, and, and taken that explanation in, which is great because in a few scenes time, it's going to be very important when we have a discussion about it. So, yeah, and that's I good. Think that's, it's, that's some it's nice writing well. to see it there. It's it's one of the things, a few things as well. I mean, we've had... Three Eyed Raven, and we've had um, Bran you know, going with his Warfight, you know, Warfight perspective, dreams, and shit like that. So we've had that, but we've never had any sort of explanation or any understanding of it before. So it's rather than having, you know, rather than us finding out because somebody tells Bran, it's nice to be introduced to it in another way um, in, in that respect. Yeah, it, it really, really is. Because we, as you say, we don't, we don't get the full on heavy handed explanation that we could have got uh, maybe from. Um, from uh Jojen. Jojen, Jojen, yeah, later on. What we get instead is we get it subtly introduced here. Uh, because we're not we're gonna make the connection ourselves to Bran here rather than, than yes. have it spelled out to us. So rather than have it shoved down our throat. Yeah, so so we take that leap and then when we do get Jojen uh, in just you know, next but one scene really, yeah. um, it feels slightly distanced, which it's yeah, it's 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 the kind of deft touch that this show lacks. Yeah, so and there was a really nice bit as well, which um, it's again, it's entirely pointless, entirely throwaway. But they they're kind of explaining it to John as to you know what walks do and how they, how it works and all the rest of it. And then Egret sort of st- just sticks red around around Mance's shoulder and goes, "You don't know what walking is." As if yeah. to say, "What fucking rock have you been living under?" Yeah, exactly. As if it's the most normal thing in the world. It's like nipping to the shop to buy fucking bread. It's like, how do you not know something so? basic yeah um and then obviously we get it we'll get it um with with brian in the next couple of scenes as well and so like, it's obviously like a you know, something that just bypassed winterfell and everybody else knows about uh yeah um so it's it's good it, it was, it was good nice I mean, yeah and i say i mean we had quite a bit of well not we didn't have a lot of john last week but we had significantly more than we had this week um but yeah you know, it's, again it's just nice to keep in touch with it we see what's going on without Again, without going, now we go here, now we go here, now we go here. It's just, it's the sort of scene whereby actually you go, oh yeah, okay, so they are trying to move things along, but we are getting a bit more interaction. We're not just being told, you've done this, you've done this, and this is what's going to happen next. So it was, it was quite a nice touch, I thought. For such a short scene, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, um, it was. It was, definitely. Um, we get this scene then with, with Sam and Mormon and the rest of the brothers. Um, yeah. Again, kind of a kind of a throwaway scene, but for what it's worth, I think you know Mormon handles the Sam situation expertly. Like he yeah. he really is a great leader. Probably, I think the best in the show at this point. Yeah, um, like he, he Apart commands. From last week. Yeah, well, yeah, the less said about last week, the better. But he, you know, he commands his men with authority and he's fair, um, and and just teaches them a lesson. And he shuts this shit down instantly. Yes. Um. So, you know, that's good. Um, other than that, the scene's a bit pointless. I don't think we need it. Um, no. I, I, th- I mean, I think we had enough with Sam last week where he was clearly freaked out and, even you know, yeah, and the it's fact just that he didn't more... do his show. This is just kind of hammering home the point that actually, you know, 
again, it's a bit of a regression because in the first season, he didn't belong with the Night's Watch and they didn't care if he lived or died and nobody was going to help him. And then we we got through that, John got him through that, and then he progressed in season two. And then the start of season three, it's like season two never happened. And that seems to be a theme here at the moment where they've kind of gone, well, if we just ignore season two, yeah, we're all right. And it, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because, I mean, I said this isn't the first time we've said that in this episode. Um, and it won't be the last in the season, I wouldn't have thought. But it just seems that they've regressed the character for no reason whatsoever. Uh, which, which you know, is the case. Unfortunately, you know, we've we've already called the show out for it prior to tonight on several occasions where characters will just act totally out of character and regress yeah. and and change tact. And it's happening here because they they just don't. It, the showrunners, regardless of who's right in the episode, they're taking their cues yeah. from the showrunners, and are. and they don't understand the narrative through line. No. They just don't. They don't understand that these characters need an arc and they need to go on a journey and they need to fucking grow. They can't just be the same character week after week and they can't just jump in and out of three or four different mindsets week after week. They need a logical, emotional progression. Yeah. But um, the, the problem I have with it is that some characters have that. The, the main characters have that. It's for the, the most who, part. For the mo- yeah. It's, it's the ones you kind of look at as being secondary characters. Um, and I don't mean that disparagingly, certainly um, not with Sansa, but at the moment, she's not a key player. No. And so they've kind of gone, oh, you know what? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Same with Sam. Sam will become very important later on. At the moment, he's he's the fat one. Yeah. He, he's the grown-up version of Hot Pie. He's fat and he's useless. Um, and it's just, there's there's very little thought gone into how they're going to evolve these characters. And I honestly believe, and we said this, might be the end of season one, or might be some point last season, it's almost like they haven't read ahead. They don't know what's happening with these characters, so they don't think it's important enough to have them evolving, and they don't know where they're going to end up. So they haven't done the they haven't done their due diligence, and they haven't gone right. We need to get Sam from this point here, all the way to over here, and along the way he needs to do this. As he needs to experience this because that's going to inform that. He needs to do this, so that's going to inform that. It's like they haven't done that. It's kind of gone. Oh yeah, well yeah, Sam's the fat comic relief. That's fine. It's definitely like they haven't done that. Now, whether that's, you know, to say they haven't read ahead is, is quite possible, but it's not an excuse. You oh, know, no, as, no, as, no, as, no, as no, a show, as, as a showrunner, yeah, they, they whether it's their own, inside out. Yeah, whether it's their own decision or whether it's something they're taking from the book, they need to know where their characters are going. And well, okay, yeah, maybe, uh... maybe they don't know for the entirety of the show at this point. Okay. But I mean, but you would at least need to track the materials. materials. Yeah, the author of the source material is an executive producer. He's on hand to ask the question, what do we need to do with Sam? What do we need to do with Sansa to get them to where they're going to be? Because you've you've mapped out our first five seasons for us. You've already written our six seasons. Where you've already written the book, so we know where, where we're going. Or we would if we could be bothered with the fucking work. But rather than that, can you tell us what's going to happen so we can kind of signpost it all? And it's even, just like they, they haven't even bothered with that. No, but even less than that, it's just like... Take it a season at a time. Where is he at the start of this season? Where does well, he yeah. need to be at the end of this season? And in order to know where he was at the start of the season, you have to remember where he was at the end of the last season. And Which, you can't I mean, just take him back there. No, that's it. And I mean, you know, no, Ballbag and Dickface wrote the majority of the second season or adapted for TV. I and mean, they didn't actually write it. But you know, they, I think they're credited as the writers on six or seven of the ten episodes. So they should know better than anybody else how their characters have got to where they are. 
Yeah. And what to do with them. Yeah, you'd think so. But hey, you're giving them a lot of credit there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, so that's that scene, I guess, as I say, is, is ultimately a little bit pointless, but it's, it's okay. Um, our introduction to Jojen is, is good. Um, yeah, I liked it. Like I like it. Scene. I like that it calls back to the earlier scene. I think that was nice that it was seeded. I like again some some nice writing here. Um, I like the whole "I'm unarmed," and then you get the beat, and he says, "It's my sister that carries the weapon." Yeah, uh, and then there's a and, knife and it, at Osha's throat. I like that. That's a really cool introduction to both yeah. of them. And like Osha does well because I mean we get the the thing where. She she's trying to tell Bran she doesn't want to hear about three eyed ravens and this and the other. You know they've got enough problems in the real world without his dreams, and then us as a Georgian wanders up. She um, Bran is clearly confused to fuck um, as you would be. Um, Osha gets behind him and he says, "I'm unarmed." Oh well, that that was a mistake. And then he says, "No, my sister my sister carries the weapons." And all of a sudden you get that now that uh, that noise, which I, I'm fairly sure real blades don't make when you pull them out of a, pull them out of a sheath. But that's sort of that's sort of pinging noise, and all yeah. of a sudden she's got a knife in her throat, and it's absolutely again, it's it's pitched perfectly, that it's timed perfectly, and it works really well. And it you just kind of get this bit where he clearly means no harm. He knows far more than he should, but he's he's there for a reason. Um, and no, we we know that because nothing happens in this show without no a very fucking obviously signposted reason. But it's. It's been set up, and it's been set up quite nicely earlier on. So by the time he arrives, we're not looking at him as a threat. We're looking at him as someone that Bran is going to become attached to, yeah, uh, in some way. And and yeah, it, it, it's it's nicely handled. And then I, I don't know if it goes straight into it or if there's a scene in between. But when um, he starts explaining what what warging is and you know, what Bran can do and how they you know how how he uses it and all the rest of it, and we get a bit more about Three Eyed Raven. Now, the fact that Three Eyed Raven is not the same thing; it's kind of different. And then, oh, yeah, well, no, you can't kill it because it's you. Um, well, that was in the, the dream sequence, earlier, wasn't it? But you know, this whole thing, we're getting a bit more information about that now as well because this is another one where it was alluded to in the first season and then we got snippets of what it could be, but everyone contradicted the last. And now actually we're getting a bit of information as to what this is because this is actually going to be a very important part of the story going forward. But yeah. thus far, it's been a bit of, you know, again, we talked about it last season, they wanted to make a fantasy show, or they wanted to make um, a high fantasy show that was more based on drama than fantasy. But there's so much fantasy in the source, they have to reference it somewhere. And all of a sudden, they went, oh, fuck, yeah, we didn't do that last year to be. We really need to pick that up this time, otherwise people are going to start calling us out on our bullshit and yeah. making podcasts and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice that actually things are now starting to pay off. But again, I'd imagine timing-wise, it's because they've done in the book, not because the, the showrunners know what they're doing. Um, but I mean, I think yeah, I think the scene was handled really well. I think that um, Thomas Brody Sangster um, does a really good job. Although I still can't get the image of him playing the drums with a three-year-old on my head. Yeah, um, he's not a character that I remember having a particular fondness for, if I'm honest. Nor can yeah. I remember particularly hating. I remember him just being a bit um, naff. Yeah, to be honest. The, but, ca- but the character of Nero was always more important. Yeah, but then his introduction here, I thought was was great. So. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that kind of surprised me, and yeah, good stuff. Um, we get the stuff then, moving on, we get the stuff with Gendry and, and Arya. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, this is, uh, yeah, this is a good scene. The, the Brotherhood showing up is is good as well. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to read my notes here. I can't fucking... 
<laughs> barely could barely fucking read them um the one thing i can make out that i've written is that the arrow trick was boss oh that's um, amazing yeah it really was um oh that's right um i've got yeah um gendry calls out Arya's decision making right at the start of the scene he yeah. basically he basically lays the fucking storytelling and, and the script work bare and it's a fucking ballsy move to say, actually, it makes no sense that we should be here right now other than you decided that we would do that. And I don't really know why you did because yeah. you shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, uh, and he you says could it have more eloquently these, than that. Yeah. But <laughs> you could have done all this stuff instead. So, you know, instead of getting us out of Harrenhal, you could have killed the king. You could have killed Tywin Lannister. You could have done all this stuff. You had your three wishes. And yeah. instead, you killed two guards, uh, fucking, I don't know, yeah. people who, in the grand scheme of things, aren't that important. It's and, a fucking, uh, it's, it's a fucking ballsy move to draw attention to it like that because it's fucking true when it breaks the world. Um, I'd imagine it's come from the book. I don't know. Um, what I do know is that is a fucking ballsy move, and somehow, and I think I credit this to characters that we've now spent, uh, uh, you know, near enough three seasons with, or, or two and a bit seasons with. You know, Gendry's been in it quite a bit since the end of season one, and we've spent a lot of time with Arya. Yeah. Um, I credit it more to probably the, the love that we have for these characters and their relationship and these actors as an audience than I do anything else. I think they pull it off more than the writing pulls it off. And I don't think it's as clever as it's trying to be. I think it's just flat out ballsy and the cast managed to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that, I could that's have gone I get... very badly wrong. Yeah. But I mean that's why I get get the impression it's in the it's 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 in the book or it's been taken from somewhere because again our showrunners aren't and I don't think they're I don't think they understand the no, I don't think enough that to do clever. it themselves. No. I think they think they are. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't think they've got it but in then, them to actually But then do you that. almost wonder whether perhaps some of the better writers amongst the staff are just... <laughs> just I, taking I, I don't, Yeah, I don't think that's the case for a minute. Cause no, I don't either. But, but there's well, a little yeah, you, part you, of me... You, you don't shit where you eat, do you? No, you don't. I, no, but there's a little part of me that would fucking love that to be true. Oh, yeah. just sat there going, do you know what? Fucking have this one, and you cunts are too thick to even realise we're taking yeah. the piss out of you. You won't even see it's there. No. Um, so either way, they they just about get away with it. Um, yeah. The Brotherhood are introduced. Ah, yes, response instantly is to threaten them. Um, yeah. Bless her. <laughs> She so, she's scrappy do, isn't she? At this she stage, she really is. She really is like this. This, you know, compared to the three of them, there is what is a sizable force. Um, and they're all fucking train, armed. They all they all look killers. really fucking mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and she's just like, come on, <laughs> I love you. Come on, I'll bite your fucking well, legs off. Well, well, yeah, that's it. And it, it's almost as though, again, because of where she comes from. No, she comes from a position of privilege that. She you know, she has a bit of skill with a sword, but she's never really been in a proper fight or not one that's endured anyway. And to be honest, she doesn't really know what the fuck she's doing. But she's got a lot of heart, bless her. Um, and yeah, it's just that thing where you kind of go, if you, you know, at, at this stage, you put her in that situation and we see it later on, it's, okay, it's a play fight and he, he's not trying to, you know, he's not trying to injure her anymore than she's trying to injure him. But she gets disarmed really fucking quickly because she has no technique and she can't use she can't wield that sword properly because it's too big for her. Uh, yeah, and it's almost and like they kind of like you humor a child. Yeah, and she is fucking hurt. Like yeah. 
physically hurt by it. You can see it on her face. Yeah. Like she it it destroys her that she got disarmed that quickly. Yeah. Like it's and she portrays that very, very well. It's it for me it's the it's the face she's got when she when she just goes off to pick up the sword. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh fucking oh, I can't believe that happened. And that's no and again that's like the no that's mortifying because she you know she's trying to you no, know, she's trying to sell herself as something or, or somebody of use potentially and they just go oh, fuck you little girl and off it's, you go it's our reminder just like we have a reminder that, that joffrey's a spoiled angry teenager um earlier on you know just like we're reminded that joffrey's essentially the fucking emo bitch of the show yeah um here we get you know let's not forget i as a little girl yeah and, and the face she pulls is a is a scornful little girl that's what yes. it is you know, yeah. she's she's pouting almost. Um, it, yeah, she plays it very, very well. I like it. I like all of the stuff in this episode with Arya and the Brotherhood, actually. Yeah. Um, like I say, the arrow trick was just fucking boss. Um, that was great. Um, so so that's all, you know, it's all a good scene. Um, yeah. We move on. We get a scene with Tyrion and Shay discussing Roz. Um, have yeah. I mentioned yet how much I love Shay? I don't think not I have for, this episode. Not for, not not for, for about, about 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah, um, I, I, just a great scene again. Nothing, nothing really, other than oh, do you know what Tyrion hasn't been in this episode, so let's throw him in here. But you know, it's it's a nice little touch it, it on their is, relationship. I mean, she's it's... she's a little bit jealous, but then she also knows that you know actually she does have the upper hand with him, really. Yeah, she, and she, and she knows that. But again, it's it's it does actually have a little bit of a purpose because it does move things along. The fact that. She's you no, know, she's making Tyrion aware that no little thing is po- poking around Sansa, um, that you know, th- that something is afoot, and that you no, know, she's been warned not to trust him. Now he he dismisses it as a yeah, yeah, okay, well, who does fucking trust Littlefinger? We know we know not to do that, but it's it's important because obviously Shay needs an into that so that particular you know, side of the world as well. Um, so I think you no, know, again as a scene, it works quite well. The way it's executed, not brilliant. It was quite annoying. Um, they no, they did very well. Like, it just wasn't particularly well written, I didn't think. And it was the the fact that they it was it was done in such a way that it was no, they they were. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of um, what do they call it? Fucking um, sex position. The fact that they, they were building up to that. So in, instead of actually you know talking while they were fucking, um, they just did it while she was undressing him instead. It's it's a well you can you haven't really learned from it, and it doesn't really add anything, uh, or it's distracting. And it's the whole point of it is that. The information that's coming from the dialogue actually needs to be heard. But all people are going to remember is the fact that she's undressing a dwarf. Um, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember the fact that she's undressing a dwarf. But now you've said it, yeah, I can remember that she's undressing a dwarf. So yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of those. I mean, we talk, we've talked about it many times, but the whole, they do it so much that if they, and I think this again, it's you know, a testament to the maturity of the showrunners. If they think the scene is slow or is boring, somebody will be getting naked. And that's exactly what happens here. They're building up to having sex. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, they don't trust what what they're putting on screen or what they, what's on the page. They feel they need to titillate people. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because these two are it, better it is. Yeah, I th- to be honest, I think most of the cast are. Um, the majority of the cast are. Um, it's just there's so little trust in them a lot of the time, especially in in the sort of the slower scenes and i think that that's when I mean, we talked earlier some of these slower scenes which are dialogue heavy you get the best stuff out of 
But no, I mean, I, th- I think these guys were sort of raised on Fast and Furious movies, so they don't understand the subtlety of telling a story. It's just no action, 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 or whatever, or whatever you can get on the screen. Blow shit up, have stuff moving really fast, have fights, have gore. Don't rely on character work and story because people won't buy it. People don't want to. No, people don't want to hear other people talk about their feelings because that's just shit. Let's blow some more shit up, and so they they don't trust their own product effectively. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's entirely fair for them, and um, maybe a bit unfair towards Fast and Furious. I've only um, ever seen the first one, and it was shit. So fuck it. Uh, so so have I. I'm not a fan of those films at all. I've only I, seen first one and whatever the Japanese one is. Um, I think that's the third one. But my I, my roommate in the first year of uni had he and a group of friends used to watch the first one over and over again. And no, I I used to watch some stuff repeatedly as well. Um, but there were a couple of things, and that was one that they always used to go back to. It's car porn, and I'm not I'm not really that into cars, so I don't really give a fuck. Um, uh, and I, and I know yeah. they've, and I, I believe they've evolved into like fucking action heist movies and stuff of like that since. Again, could give a fuck. I may at some point watch them if I've got um, cancer and about to die and I've got nothing better to do. Um, but who knows? Um, I've I've yeah, I've got no interest in watching them, despite just about everybody telling me that I really should and actually they're very good. Um, maybe they are. I'll never know. I've got yeah. no interest in them. Absolutely. Or Vin not. Diesel. Uh, so, or Jason Statham. Um, maybe in The Rock. I don't know. But I, 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 I don't know whether bringing somebody in three quarters of the way through a, a nine film franchise is enough to save it, to be honest. No. But anyway, uh, this isn't a Fast and Furious podcast, but yeah, I share your sentiment. Um, so even though I have no love for them, I think maybe we're being a bit harsh on, on them comparing them to Ballbag and Dickface. Um, maybe. Just maybe. Uh, so again, moving on from that scene, we get, right, so we get this Marjorie and Joffrey scene, probably the meatiest scene of the episode. Um, it's, well, yeah. no, because we've we've had the cat one, but this is a this is another contender. On the whole, this is a very good scene. There is a lot I like in it. They're both yeah. very good. But there is a weird there's a weird thing here where they're dancing around homosexuality and anal sex. Yes. And they won't blatantly call out either of them, which at this point in this show Yeah, given everything we've given seen in everything, this fucking show. It, it is just weird to me that they decide to draw the line here. And I, th- I think part of it, I mean, the first sort of season and a half was softcore porn. And then I think we're at a point where a lot of the, the, the people like Amelia Clark turn around and say, actually, no, new contract now. I, I'm not doing the gratuitous nudity, so fuck you. And this it starts to dissipate slightly. We, we don't get... as no, We don't get the gratuitous nudity in such quantity. We don't get the gratuitous sex scenes in such quantity because, actually, people are starting to get fucked off with it. Um, and I think this is the start of it. And I think that part of it is sort of trying to increase this sort of sensitivity around it. Whereas before they would have, no, I mean, okay, the line with the uh, throwing a cocks aside. There's I was very just little... about to say this very episode, we've we've <laughs> had the line about a throne of cocks. And now all yeah. of a sudden they won't say the word gay or homosexual. They won't even call him they a won't... fag or a puff and be derogatory about it. Yeah. They won't, I... they won't address it. They tiptoe around it. And they, even weirder they tiptoe around anal sex where two seasons ago we were getting Littlefinger telling Roz to play with her ass more. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, 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 and, it's and really... I get it. I get it. If we were trying to show that and, yeah. and we want to draw the line, I get it. But this is dialogue and you've already actually shown us 
both of these things. Well, yeah, that's like, it. It's, <laughs> again, it's not it's it's not having the faith in your product. Um, but yeah, you're right. They do dance. They they dance around it, and I think that this we've we talked about it many times uh, in the last season, and I don't think it's the case in this one because it's not Warbag and Dickface writing it. Um, but it's like a scene of two halves, whereby you get the first bit where they're really uncomfortable, and they Joffrey's on the attack, and he's um, yes. he's making a point about um, Renly um, and about Marjorie and her duties and all that stuff. Now that she's of them. She's trying to be all delicate and demure and all that stuff. And then they go into they then they go into weapon porn. Yeah, because because that's kind of the only excuse for it, isn't it? Is that maybe she's trying to play coy, Mm. um, and and trying to be all sweet and innocent for him, but then she switches almost instantly. I mean, to be you know, I mean, if if this was season one, she'd have been licking the fucking arrow. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, that stuff at the end of the scene where she's she's grabbing hold of the crossbow and obviously yeah. is, is quite phallic, and yes, ha-ha, we get it. It's supposed to be his cock, and she's rubbing a hand all over it. We get it, but it fucking works. And actually, yeah. for this show, it's surprisingly well-handled and tasteful. Yeah, and, um, and again, it, it's, it's, it, it feeds back to what we had before, whereby so Cersei's saying she dresses the way she does for a reason. She talks to the people she does for a reason. She engages with people in the way she does for a reason. So and well, we know that no, she wants to be queen, and she doesn't give a fuck how she gets there. She wants to be queen, and whichever horse she, pit, no, she attaches her wagon to, she is going to be fucking queen. And we'll see that with her uh, throughout the show as well. So yeah, it's just like no, we've seen this with her, and they've again, it's been seeded earlier in the episode, which you don't see very often in this. And I think that's a testament to the fact we were a different writer this week. Yeah. Um, so it, it, there's just something about that that's weird to me. And the only explanation I can come to is that Joffrey, as we said, is is still a teenage boy and is quite insecure. Because mm. honestly, that's where his rage comes from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So so maybe he's a bit insecure. Uh, and there's no repressed edible stuff. Yes, right? So so maybe there's that. So he doesn't want to think about, you know, a- anal sex and, and homosexuality. And actually, you know, he is a little bit awkward, as we've seen where he sort of rejected the whores that, that Tyrion sent him and, and ended up sort of torturing them. Yeah. He he is a bit awkward around around sex. So... I guess that's the explanation for him, and I guess with her, it's that she's trying to be coy and demure, and and she won't, she won't talk about it because she's a lady, and and she's trying to be innocent for him. Hmm. But then they flipped it too far the other way, I think. Yeah, in it, too short a space of time. She, yeah, she turned it on just that bit too much at the end of the scene. She went yeah. from, she went from naught to sixty you know to use more fast and the furious car parlance in in you know milliseconds she yeah. was just like one minute she's like oh i'm practically a virgin you know i'm I'm so pure and we can we can do this together and grow together and ha, ah, you can yeah. be my first to like let me grab your cock and yeah. rub it um, yeah to, to a point where it goes off yeah it yeah, yeah it's no symbolism much. there whatsoever no but i i like it i do like the symbolism i like i like <laughs> I like the second half of the scene. Yeah. I actually like the first half of the scene as well. I just don't The two of get... them together don't work. No, and I, I just don't get how all of a sudden we won't say the word anal. I don't get yeah. it. I, I, I don't get it. And moreover, I don't get that she's so vague even when... I mean, it's clear that she's insinuating, you know, that, that he 
she offered her ass up basically um and and she you know she doesn't have to say i offered him my ass and be and be that you know that gutter about it but surely there was a better way to address it than that you know yeah you'd think so wouldn't you but again it's game of thrones uh yeah you know so yeah and it's not like she can come out and say that you tried to fuck her in a very uncomfortable place so (laughs) you know sorry yeah i couldn't i couldn't resist i know it's a reach but i couldn't resist Um, no it worked it worked yeah i don't think there are volkswagens in these days are there um no so okay i I, I wasn't i wasn't going to give the punchline i was going to see if anybody recognized it uh, well, I didn't quite give the punchline away, but I mean, let's see. Um, hit <laughs> yeah. us up if you get it, guys. Um, I couldn't resist. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stroking the crossbow, asking him to see it, all of that. She's playing him like a fucking fiddle at the end oh, of the absolutely. scene. absolutely. It's, it's Marjorie at her best. Yes. It's just weird it's... from the start of the scene. Yeah, it's just, the, the, the juxtaposition of the two halves don't doesn't really work. It's very unnatural. But it is... It is a good scene and it does give us good character info and it gives us a, a good insight into the interactions between the two of them and their relationship. So all in all, I come down on the positive on this scene. Yeah, yeah, I just I think, think there's fair. some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> more like back to Theon and I've just written suffer Theon, you little cockwomble. Um, yeah, oh, and, and again, I've written horrible. even so like this. This is fucking tough to watch. This one, it is tough to watch. It's it's literally torture porn. It, um, it's, it's um, like we've faced like we won't we won't talk about or show anal sex or homosexuality anymore but fuck me here's some gruesome shit well look, um, i'm not being funny it was i i, I, so I was only half watching at this stage because i did need to be sick a little bit was it his foot they were driving a corkscrew into i i believe so yeah now as somebody who is married to a woman who drinks quite a lot of wine that scared the living bejesus out of me yeah corkscrews are not pleasant no and like you, you've seen, you see them in other in, in films and stuff where they use them on eyes. That fucking weirds me out. This, I I just couldn't watch it. It is was it, so is it, uncomfortable. Is it ducks that have penises like corkscrews? I think it's ducks. Is yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's just a random fact that popped into my head at that point because we're talking about corkscrews. Yeah, um, at least it wasn't a duck penis popped into your head. Yeah, but I mean, like, they're designed in such a way that they basically attach and like a corkscrew so that they don't fucking fall out when a, a lady duck tries to get away and they, and they can fly so that tells you how grippy a corkscrew is grip grippy a word is that it the is right now. word here it um, is now. It's fine. yeah yeah so yeah the grippy duck penis essentially is what they're driving through his foot but it's yeah it's fucking uncomfortable to watch and just it just when you think he's it can't get any worse for him there's fucking ramsey well this um, is it. and i think that i mean the whole thing that they're torturing him is you know tell us the truth what truth are you after? You haven't asked me a question. And it's you know, because obviously they're torturing for the sake of torturing him. Um, and they kind of get him to spill all this stuff, but he doesn't know what he what he's spilling. So he make he he tells them what he thinks they want to hear. And yeah. he's repeating them. Again, this shows how little faith, you know, how the how little courage he has in his own convictions. He doesn't even know why he took Winterfell. He no. did because he could. But for no, and no, because of his arrogance, he didn't think he'd ever lose it because of nobody there. But actually, it turns out he's a shit leader. It seems he's shit at everything else. And so because of that, he's like, "Oh, I did it to for my father's glory, or I did it because I'm the, I'm a ginger prick and I need to prove something myself." Oh no, I did it because I hate the Starks. Well, do you actually fucking know what you're talking about? Is, was there a reason, or was it just 
I know, I've got this fucking harebrained scheme that you know, Cletus slash George Yoko put in my head. And so we'll do that. And it's just like, he just doesn't even, he doesn't even know why, you know, th- there's no logic to him. And if, if there's no logic to him, there's no logic for anybody else. And it's just one of those, you think, oh, just fucking shut up. Stop talking at this point because A, you're annoying. B, you're sobbing like a little bitch with a skin knee. And C, you don't know what the fuck you're saying anyway. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we actually needed the second torture scene with him, to be honest, because even though we get we get Ramsey's introduction. Yeah, like although he's not Ramsey at this point. No, we don't know. We don't know but you could get them is. leaving the room, having tortured him some more, and then Ramsey comes in and tries to clean him up and all the rest of it. So we can have that without having the bit before. Yes. And again, we've talked about this so many times about coming in halfway through the scene, because yeah. not everything that happens in every second of everybody's life is fucking interesting. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, could have done without this scene, even though we get to see Theon suffer. Um, it's unpleasant, even though it's Theon. So, yeah, rather we didn't have that. Um, this, actually, this next scene in the tavern is where Arya gets disarmed. I think we got our yeah, yes, a is, little yeah. bit. But anyway. No, no, I, I, knew, I knew it was late. I just yeah. jumped ahead a bit. So we've already said what, what we're going to say about that, essentially. Um, but it, it, and, it's, it's good, actually, because I'd forgot. I mean, we, we have the scene whereby... Um, I can't remember his name, Paul Kay's character. Um, Thoris? Thoris. 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 So he he said earlier on, no, come with us, we'll feed you, we'll let you go. And nobody's trusting of it. And there's a a, a gag we forgot, actually, which says, no. Uh, One of them says, no, half the country's starving, and you look at this fat cunt. And then the response is, well, maybe this fat cunt's the reason half the country's starving. And I thought that was a a brilliant line. It was just so deadpan and so quick. I I loved it. Um, But so he's true to his word. So you have the scene in the tavern where Gendry, Hot Pie and Arya are all sat there. Arya's giving it the big one. Um, She's talking everybody up because she's like, we, I don't, she doesn't believe they're actually going to let them go. She's thinking that actually we might need to do something about this. So I need to sow some seeds here. Yeah, Gendry can use a sword and he's fucking strong because he used to be a smith and all the rest of it. Um, And then we get the bit where she says she can fight her brother's daughter. And then Thoris disarms her in like um, half a second and then raises a toast to her brothers and tells them, tells them to fuck off. And then the others come in with a man in a hood um, who it turns out is is the hound and he outs Arya for who, who she is. This scene was good. I, I like this scene for the main reason that when you get to see these characters again interacting with the hound, I'd forgotten they'd actually met. I'd forgotten where, they'd, where the inter- initial interaction had come. So I was quite happy to see it here. Yeah, I I remembered it um, when they when they meet again, but it was a stretch. I'll I'll be honest, yeah, because I, I it's a long fucking it's a long fucking time. It's is, um, it, is it the end of season six or the beginning of season seven? I think yeah, I think it is. I think so it is the yeah, end of season. It's when, it's when they go north of the wall, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's a long time in the future, and I'd forgotten there'd been this interaction between them in the first place, and I'd forgotten how. Because this will come up in the next couple of episodes. I'd forgotten how Arya and the Hound came to be together. Because there's a whole arc with them as well. Um, so this was interesting seeing how that how that came about. I was quite happy with that because I went, oh right, okay, that makes sense now. Which incidentally, we'll talk about it when we come to it. But next to John and Egret, Arya and the Hound, easily my favourite double act in yeah. the entire history of the show. The stuff with those two together is fucking excellent. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean. <sighs> It's not original. I mean, there have been so many shows and plays and books and movies about odd couples on road trips, effectively also thrust together with a you know, with a common goal, and they fucking hate each other and they you know, they do not know how to be around each other. But there's a, you know, even though there's a sort of 
searing hatred, 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 uh, hatred between them, there you get a little bit of a sort of bond and a mutual respect comes through as well. So even though they still may still fucking hate each other, they can be around each other. And the, the way that they develop, um, I think, I think it's, I think it's only over this season, and I don't think there's much between them after this season. No. Um, but yeah, it works really well, and it's it's some of my favorite stuff. And as I, I said right at the start, Arya is one of my favorite characters. Um, I said that 22 episodes ago. Um, so, yeah, seeing her getting more screen time, which she'll get um, in the next couple of weeks, is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it gets us the, the chicken stuff, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's the hound. He outs, uh, the, you know, that, that scene's handled really well. It's a real fucking uh-oh moment. Yeah. Um, it's good. Um, and so, and so it, we... it's, it's a nice mirror as well because you had it in season one where Kat is in a tavern and Tyrion comes in and she's yes. trying to hide who she is as yeah. well. And again, it's framed very similarly. Those are the, the the facial expressions are very are very similar. And she's outed in, in a very similar way. It's that she's in trying to hide, she draws attention to herself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it works really well. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, and so then we move on to our final scene and we're back with Jamie and Brienne. Um, they are just brilliant together, as I yeah. said. Um, and, you know, and just like that, Jamie's fucking free. Well, yeah, I mean, you get the whole thing. We had to, I can't, we talked about it in the camera if it's in at the start of the scene or if there's one we've sort of skipped over, but they're, they're at a bridge and they're hiding, hiding by the side of it. And he says, oh, you've got a choice because if we go through it, go in the river, we might drown. And if we go over the bridge, somebody's going to see us, and might recognize us and we might be in trouble. Um, and then when no, the next, no, we we see them on the bridge, in, standing in the middle of this bridge, and he said, oh, "I didn't see that." And he's like, "Well, I didn't see you taking this option." And we're we're all right there with him, going, "Yo, why the fuck would you do that?" Because clearly somebody's going to see you. Whereas yeah. if you're in the water, you can hide under the bridge and I'll be all, all trolly about it and stuff. Um, so yeah, they go across. They go across, and he sits down. And he starts bitching about his shoes and all the rest of it. As she bends down to to drag him to his feet, he whips the sword out of her um, out, out of his sheath. And straight away, he's, oh, I always wondered why some some knights carried two swords. The implication being because they're shit and they, they will always lose one. Yeah. And that's no, not not said the case. It's just because he's fucking Jamie Lannister. He's the Kingslayer. He's always no, in this situation. He's always going to get the upper hand. So yeah, he 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 cuts himself off the uh, the leash he's on. He, he's got this. His hands his hands are still bound. So the fact he's wielding this sword quite as well as he does, it's an achievement in itself. And they have a pretty good fight. Uh, they um, have an excellent see, fight. One of my favourites, actually. There are some um, pretty good fights. I mean, Brienne has some pretty decent fights. She has a good... Um, it's a training fight, but um, it's a fight nonetheless with Arya uh, much later on. Um, and But yeah, it's 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 a it's a good fight. It's well choreographed. It's it's shot well as well. So, you know, it, you, f- you keep up with the movement because we've had some do. issues in the past whereby yeah. it's got away from them a bit, so they end up going to a wide. Um, they've kept in very close with, um, with the action as it happens. That works really well. Um, but I so say you get this point where Jamie, Jamie's trying to be a bit fancy. He's 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 still trying to goad her. He's still trying to play the. No, he's still trying to do the mind fuck. And she's just like, no, fuck it. And she's there swinging. And she, you know, she takes him down, swords in one hand, and she's just clubbing him with it. Effectively, clubbing the, his own sword with it. So he's gonna drop it. But then she stops. And the reason, and so Jamie's looking at her, saying, what the fuck are you doing? And then he looks over his shoulder, and we've got Bolton. Um, We've got Bolton banners uh, approaching over the bridge, um, and yeah, it's it's a really nicely handled scene. I really liked it, and I think that it's technically it's one of the better better fight scenes they've done, where you are in you know, in hand to hand combat or armed combat. Um, you know, as we talked about the um, Blackwater stuff with the, the ships and everything, that was 
very well done, but this type of this type think, of fight they tend to fucked up thus far. Yeah, I I think it's a different kettle of fish entirely. You know, um, as you say, we do get a, a, a similar sort of fight in that it's one on one with with Brienne and Arya, and of course we saw Arya learning to dance in the first season, and we will see Jamie um, spar with with people in, in seasons to come. You know, yeah. and we'll get Bronn and Tyrion and Jamie sort of sparring as well in, in seasons to come, and. I think Jamie's always good in this kind of one-on-one sparring situation, just like it was with Ned as well. And the reason this fight works so well is because in amongst all of the back and forth of it, he's still, like you say, he's still goading her. And so we spend time with them emotionally as well. They aren't just two people having a fight. There is a mental battle going on as well. This fight is, is a living thing almost. Well, you know, it's, it's a back and forth. Um, and, and interestingly for me, um, which is obviously something I, I didn't pick up on first view and I can't believe I didn't pick it up. Um, but you've referenced it already is that he is essentially already fighting one handed here. Yeah. Which I, I, I'd like to think that's intentional, but it's definitely not. Because no, they're no, not I mean, that clever. But then again, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt for a second that's from the book. So I mean, I know it's the the fact yeah. that they have this fight. It, this fight is going to be iconic. So they put this in because it's a it's the fight between um, Brienne and Jamie. The fact it's interrupted, much like the fight with Jamie and Ned, it's it, it still has weight. So the fact you have that, and then we know what's going to happen in the next couple of episodes. He's done with it with his hand, and then he will be fighting one handed. So it's it's almost it's almost as though the, the George R. R. Martin has seeded it, and these these are the kind of guys have gone. Well, yeah, because of course he's going to be tied up because he's tied up all the time. So yes, his hands are still going to be bound. So whether they've realised it's no, it's clever or not, I don't know. But it's you know, it's 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 nice. Um, it's nice foreshadowing. Um, it is nice foreshadowing, and and you know, it, it does show us, you know, even with his hands bound, you know, and as I say, the the speed with which he frees himself, you know, just like when he escapes um, yeah. in in last season as well, you know, he is he is a dangerous man. There's he a is. reason he's the Kingslayer, you know. And the thing is, I mean, for for Brienne as well. I mean, this is probably, I mean, every every episode there's reference to the fact that no, she's not much of a woman. She's more of a man, um, and she's in a man's world. No, she no, she's a, she's trying to no, she's um, for all intents and purposes, she's a knight. She's no, she's there fighting. She's protecting Jamie and all the rest. Of it. She, so she she is always going to have that in the back of her mind. She's always going to have this thing. But is no, is she? I know she knows she's technically as good. She knows she's as strong. But there's always going to be this thing, especially with somebody like Jamie, who has the reputation he has as a swordsman. She's always going to have in the back of her mind is that actually this might be one I can't win. Yeah, and but she's, she's also he, going to be she's also going to be wanting to take him for oh that yeah, reason. She, yeah, she's going to, she's going to be desperate to prove herself, and he's going to go out of his way to really play on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and he's so, you know, as I was saying at the start of the episode, his charm is so disarming. Yes, you know that that you do kind of almost forget that actually. Fucking, he's a snake. This oh, he's, is a dangerous a man, you know. Um, yeah, he's you, like you, a fucking you, you cobra. Buy, yeah, you, you wouldn't know? buy a car off him. You wouldn't trust the no, car. He's, he's like a fucking cobra. He's just golden and golden and golden and drawing you in and just waiting for that chance. And when he strikes, he's gonna fucking take you out. Yeah, like you know, this this fight goes goes to the wire, and it's only by virtue of interruption. Yeah, that you know, even though we. Brienne appears to have the upper hand. Like you just can't help but think he's he's got something up his sleeve. Oh yeah, um, and, it, and it's only by virtue of this interrupted. I think that both of these characters walk away from it here. Um, 
but it is, it is interrupted. It's interrupted in exactly the manner that Jamie predicted earlier on, yeah. even though it doesn't necessarily work out that well for him, which he said it wouldn't anyway. Yes. Um, you kind of there's still just that little look of satisfaction on his face of like, well, I, I fucking yeah. told you. Yeah. <laughs> Hands up, who saw this one coming? Yeah, and it's you know, so it's it's a good ending. It it it's actually. You know, it, it's humorous in a kind of in that, that kind of tongue in cheek way. You know, we've had the fight; it's been good. You know, we've got the suspense of, of Arya and the Hound, and then it, it kind of ends on this real kind of high note. Like we get a bit of a giggle out of it. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, he did, he did say this was going to happen. Yeah, but also, I mean, you do have that, but you've got this. There is this threat and this, you know, this this story thread that's going to carry over to next week. So it do, it does hook you back in. Yeah, um, whereas, I mean, no. he just he raises an eyebrow at her, and it's it's. Again, there's few characters could probably get away with it, but he's, yeah. it's you know he's he's just such a shit eating bastard. That oh yeah, I mean that, that is shithousery at the very best level. That's like, <laughs> absolutely. Seriously, yeah. Seriously, seriously, what the fuck have you done? Yeah, I told absolutely. you this would happen. You did this, and now we're all fucked. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, it's a really strong ending, I think. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought so too. Um, I mean, uh, 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 a very very different episode from last week tonally um, oh. it was a lot lighter yeah um, it's, it's, it was it's light years ahead of last week's episode yeah i mean yeah tonally it was a lot lighter we got more out of it story-wise um we weren't just revisiting the same fucking bits from the end of season two which were the same at the beginning of season two. so we, we avoided a lot of that and we actually got some story we moved along we developed characters i mean that i said the stuff with cat and talisa i thought was beautiful um and yeah, it just worked really well. And as as an episode, it was yeah, it it, it just it, it worked far better. And it's it certainly when well, we ended the last season on a bit of a high, but there were still problems. And I think that this episode has dealt with a lot of that. And we've moved on to a point now where we we can actually say, right, let's get on with telling some stories. Let's find out what's going to happen next. Not just all oh, right, okay, so she's got dragons, but now they're the size of Volkswagens. Um, and yeah, Tywin's still a cunt, and Cersei's still. Mm-hmm how hungry cock hungry and all the rest of it and it's just one of those you know, well yeah we knew all that already so this this episode takes us on a bit and I'm, it's actually quite nice to just be able to sit down and and watch it without going oh fuck what's that for yeah. seriously and yeah. just sort of sitting there swearing at the screen yeah I which mean, is I, what i do most weeks yeah after last week i i was on a real low i'll be honest and i was not looking forward to watching this at all um i mentioned for those of you that listened to the other shows i mentioned um on, on better than mario how much i was looking forward to watching suicide squad on my day off um this was the complete opposite i got this out of the way early doors this weekend because i could not be fucking asked with it um and and the episode drew me in straight away you know and and changed my mind and it goes to show you know just how good this show can be when it's yeah. firing all cinemas and look, and look but this is by no means the best episode either i think you know i've even said in my notes i think it's top tier i don't think it's the best but i think no. it is top tier there are there are one or two issues which we've addressed as we've gone through but no howlers you know not yeah. not to the level that we have them we've not really ranted this week no um, and I mean, there's just been like, a few things had... that you know, aren't aren't that great? Yeah, like even when you've had like the slower stuff, like no, the way where we've had um, Jojen and Bran, sort of, where he's telling him telling Bran about you now about walking about his powers and all about his gift and all the rest of it. That stuff is a bit slow, but it doesn't drag. And I think the the potential would have been to throw dialogue at that, throw exposition at that, and just make it really heavy. Um, and had our 
friends frat boy one and two got at it i think that's what we'd have had so the fact we've got a a, a more competent writer saves us a lot of that that hassle yeah i agree um you know we we get that introduction earlier as we said and it's just one of many kind of just classy moves that, that we get in this episode as i say the same thing as we talked about with cat and the dream catcher as well and yeah and joffrey and the crossbow you know for all its its blatant symbolism it's it's still a lot classier than most of the shit you get uh, out of this show so it was this is a much much better episode than yeah. last week it's more focused we don't spend any time pissing around with daenerys and the teenage mutant ninja dragons and batman like yeah. we we don't get any of that because we don't need it at this point in time no that's right it, it feels like you know that this writer knew where we needed to be to move the story forward and that's just what this episode does for the first time in actually quite a long time yeah. the story starts to take a big step forward we get the introduction of some what are going to be very important characters yeah john starts to question who he is and and what his mission is you know um aya is is now sort of rumbled and with the hound jamie's who knows what's going to happen with jamie because he's been caught again you know everybody's moving forward um which last week they weren't they were just stalled yeah so all in all yeah as i say you know, you know there were one or two issues some characters took a step backwards as we talked about which was unfortunate um and it, there's still some stuff in here that that could probably be cut from what is an hour episode but all in all, it's way more focused. It's way better written. There's some really nice touches. There's some really funny stuff. Yeah. There's there's a deftness of hand in some places as well, which I always appreciate. Um, yeah, it's it's a good episode. Not not the best, but certainly not the worst. As I say, it, it's top tier, and it's left me now on a high yeah. for next week, as opposed to the complete just yeah. I couldn't be fucked after last week. I, I last week's episode really broke me, so I needed yeah. this. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think I say the same. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just a lot happier. I'm in a lot better place coming out of this one than I was last week. Um, yeah, I mean, as always, if people have got different opinions on that, I think we've maybe we've got something wrong or want to agree with us because you now stranger things have happened. Um, yeah, get in touch as always um, on Twitter at ddpodcastnet on Facebook with the Blunt Podcast Network. Uh, you can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, uh, where you can find all of our other episodes of this show, our, our, our other shows. Um, yeah, but yeah, get in touch. Um, but until next time. Game over. <laughs>